Ready to connect with the investment community here in Cleveland? Want to learn about the people, events, projects, and firms that are making a difference? Want all that but feel like you don't have the time? This is the show for you. Welcome to Guardians of Finance. Brought to you by the CFA Society of Cleveland and hosted by Matt McLaughlin, Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, Guardians of Finance will provide you with a chance to foster deeper connections and know what is getting the attention of Cleveland's investment community. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and head to guardiansoffinance.com where you can connect or reconnect with the CFA Society of Cleveland and attend an educational or social event and find volunteer opportunities. And now, here's your host, Matt McLaughlin. Welcome to the Guardians of Finance podcast. I am your host, Matt McLaughlin. We continue with our Meet the Board series with Kara Wood and Susanna Bujasson. Kara currently serves as committee chair for the Women's Committee, while Susanna currently serves as treasurer for the board. We talk with both of them about their backgrounds and roles on the CFA Society of Cleveland's board. Have you ever wondered which CFA Cleveland board member was once on Oprah and which one is the likely winner of a spelling bee? Listen in and find out on this episode with Kara and Susanna. Kara, Susanna, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having us. For sure. Maybe to kick it off, go ahead and maybe we'll start with Kara. Go ahead and talk a little about yourself. Maybe just start from kind of where you grew up, born and raised. I'm not sure if you're a Cleveland native or not through college and maybe some early career and we'll go from there. Yeah, great. So Cleveland native, born and raised, grew up in Geauga County out in Burton, Ohio. Moved to the Chagrin Falls area when I was in high school and have enjoyed Northeast Ohio for most of my life. Did spend some time down in Atlanta after undergrad, but really decided when I wanted to raise a family that there was no better place than Northeast Ohio. So my husband, who's from Nebraska, we moved back up here about 15 years ago and have been here ever since. Great. Susanna, how about you? Were you born and raised in Cleveland? I was not born in Cleveland. I was actually born in Philadelphia. My family moved when I was about three or four, so I do claim Cleveland. I don't remember Philly all that well, but grew up on the West Side and went to high school here and then ultimately went to Columbus for college to Ohio State and then moved back because all my family is still here in this area. Great. So we got two Cleveland natives and myself, I am not one. So I get to interview, which is great and can interact on the board with both of you. Maybe, Kara, back to you. Talk to us a little about maybe right after post-grad, moving back from Atlanta, where your career really got started and maybe some of the firms you've worked for around Cleveland and take us up to today. Sure. So I was fortunate enough early on in my career to have jobs that didn't pay as much, but were really profitable in terms of experience. So I got my charter when I was at Invesco in Atlanta follow that up with my alternatives designation. So I was working really with Wilmington Trust at the time in their research investment department on private equity and Townsend. I was able to move back to Cleveland to work with the Townsend group, and that was a wonderful experience. Went from there to PNC after I decided that being on the road was a little stressful with a newborn baby. Worked in the wealth management division there at PNC and then was lured over to BNY Mellon shortly after that. So really since probably right after the global financial crisis have been in well with institutions and private clients since then. It's been a great progression for me, really enjoyed that part of my career in terms of working with individual clients and also do some institutional work on foundations and endowments here in town. 
with regard to the board, I am the chair of the Women's Advisory Company. So just took that role on mid-year last year and have been really enjoying that. I get to interact with individuals like Susanna and the other professional women here in Cleveland. So that's been a great advancement as well. Sure. How about you, Susanna? Sure. Well, my career, how it started, like I said, I went to Ohio State and didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do at that point. Ended up after college working at OPERS, so the state pension system. And that's where I really discovered I enjoyed this business and enjoyed the work. I was a retirement education consultant. So I went around and explained their pension benefits and their defined contribution benefits to new employees. So a lot of public speaking, presenting, and then also got to see peripherally what the organization was doing as far as like asset management goes. So a couple of the portfolio managers there had CFAs, which was my first exposure to that. Actually, one of them like was a woman. So I was like, oh, well, this is interesting and I'm good at taking tests. So maybe I want to go down that road. And ultimately did get my CFA and transition from defined contribution space into institutional, so which is what I do now. So I work at PNC primarily with nonprofits, so endowments and foundations, which I'm fortunate to do. I really enjoy my work. And I got started with the board through the Women's Committee, actually. So what Kara heads. I joined that in 2019, I think, the kickoff year. And Ultimately, now my current role is treasurer of the board. I took over for Carolyn Rains, who's my coworker. She kind of encouraged me to get more involved in the board. And once that position opened up, I took over. So I've been doing that since about 2020. Sure. And for those of our listeners who may not know the board as well, Susanna, you've been in that role as the treasury chair for quite some time. Typically, we do rotate board chairs, but you've been kind of a stalwart on the board in that position. What has caused you to want to stay doing that? What's your favorite part of that role on the board? Sure, no, that's a good question. Well, I took over at a really interesting time. So it was 2020. It was just before COVID. And then that whole first year, we had almost no expenses because we weren't doing lunches. We weren't doing in-person gatherings. And most of our expenses were, you know, how do we get AV equipment set up? How do we launch webinars, like Zoom subscriptions? So it was really just like interesting to watch the organization adapt to that environment. And I thought everybody on the board did a great job handling that. And then slowly it's evolved. Like even since COVID, I think we've done a good job of like broadening our outreach to members and offering more diversified things like happy hours every month. So it's been fun from my perspective, I think, to watch all the changes and to see how the local society is adapting. And it's been fun to meet new people. The big appeal to me is just to get to know local professionals. That's good. Kara, turning over to you, how did you get involved with the Women's Committee and kind of elevate or volunteer to want to be the chair that heads it up within the society board? Great question. Well, I credit Debbie Sugal 100% with this initiative and getting the Women's Committee up off the ground. And I think they just reached out to charter holders in the area that were interested in being a member of the committee. And I jumped at that chance. As Susanna mentioned, this was an interesting time. We were all at home looking at our computers and trying to figure out some ways to stay connected to one another. And so I was just a participating member, sharing ideas and help events and ways for us to stay connected. And then when Debbie decided after three had to turn over the mantle. I was in between careers. I was leaving BNY Mellon and not yet started my current job at Clearstead. So I felt like I had some downtime and I could really turn my attention to helping build out that membership. And it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. It's hard to find time, as everybody knows, but this is certainly something that I'm very passionate about in terms of 
expressing the advantage of the charter and also reaching young women. When I started in my career, I worked almost exclusively with men. I was lucky enough that at Invesco, the folks that I worked with there were all pursuing their charter. And I had never even heard of it. I was a little bit embarrassed that I didn't know anything about it. I was a 20-year-old kid. And I just said, well, how hard can that be? And then I learned very quickly how hard that could be. (laughs) And it's kind of went from there. But I think it's been a huge benefit to me in my career, just college-based, but also the confidence that comes along with having accomplished something like that. I love those initials after my name. So I'm all about spreading that gospel to the younger generations and pursuing women specifically to careers in finance. I think it's just a good EQ and IQ. Sure. And Susanna, maybe over to you, Kara. That was a great answer. But Susanna, maybe more direct question to you. Like, what would be your advice for younger women in their career who maybe are thinking about pursuing a CFA or are early in their career in finance and investing? What are one or two things you'd be like, hey, you should do this, or this is what you should think about? Or what would be your advice for maybe some of our younger listeners there? Sure. No, that's a good question. I do have the opportunity with PNC. We have a group of analysts that come in every year. So I do have the opportunity to work with younger women coming out of college. And always like the CFA curriculum comes up. I think it's a great opportunity. One, the content's fantastic. So you learn a lot just by going through the process. So I'm glad I did it from that perspective, but also from the credibility perspective. I mean, like Kara alluded to having those initials after your last name, it shows prospective employers that you're serious and that you're dedicated to this space. So definitely, I encourage them to pursue the CFA charter holder. I think it opens a lot of doors too, as far as like we just talked about. I mean, Kara's career path, my career path, you can use it in a lot of different areas in financial industry. So there's no downside to getting it other than the time commitment and the tests are very difficult, obviously. Sure. For some of our listeners who may not know, our women's group tends to be one of our really more engaged subgroups, if you will, with really active participation from women in the Cleveland area in the finance industry. To both of you, why do you think that is? Like, How has it happened that this subgroup has become just so active? The attendance is great. The engagement is great. What do you guys kind of attribute that to? Maybe your answers are similar, but maybe you see it from a couple different angles. So Kara, start off with you and then Suzanne, you can weigh in as well. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Let me get all the good answers. And then Susanna's left. (laughs) (laughs) The leftovers, yeah. (laughs) I should change that up, right? (laughs) No, that's fine. I'm glad to go first. I think the answer is for so long, again, I mentioned we're usually the only women in the room. And so the camaraderie, the solidarity that comes with knowing other people that have trod a similar path to yours, I think is really helpful. And quite frankly, it's just a really good group of women that we have together. Everybody's very collaborative. We all help one another. We're all engaged in terms of bringing new and interesting ideas. So I just think for me, it's not anything I ever forward to. It's sometimes hard to find time in the middle of the day to step away for a Zoom, but this is always something that I come away from our meetings feeling just a little bit better. We laugh, we talk, and we move the ball forward. So it's just really a good group of like-minded people working all towards the same goal, which is just to spread the good word about how important it is to pursue this designation. Oh, Kara did cover that answer really well. I don't know if I (laughs) must add there. (laughs) I guess the only thing I would add is pat you on the back and say like leadership of the group has been great. So from Debbie to you, I think you guys have done a great job of like coming up with content and programming that gets women out, want to come out and network and build that community. Susanna, maybe this question, I will start with you. What has been your favorite event that the women's group put on? And then follow up that with like, is there anything you're really looking forward to in the future that the group is focusing on? 
There've been a lot of events. I'm running through them in my head as you ask the question. The one that pops up, it wasn't specifically solely for women, but I thought it was a really cool thing that we sponsored. We had Dee Haslam come out and we had a moderator and we opened it up to the broader CFA society as well. And we had it over at the Brown Stadium, which I thought was like a really cool event and interesting opportunity to get to hear her speak because she was, you know, a female leader in the community. But we've also done other things, which have been like volunteer events. So we just did one at the food bank, which is like a cool way to get to know other women in the community and benefit the community at the same time. So there've been a couple, a handful, but those two kind of stand out. I'll tag on to that. I also enjoyed the food bank one immensely. I brought my young son and like I said, having to work in coordination with the women there. We got a lot of stuff done in a short period of time. So Susanna, good job on that. (laughs) My favorite event, I think, was the event that we did at Pinstripes a couple of years ago, supporting the Women's Safe charity out in Chart. And I thought that it was really well attended considering that we were just on the tail end of COVID. And it was nice to be able to get out and raise some money and take some donations for a good cause. That really kind of kicked us off in terms of starting back and seeing each other, not just on the computer. Here to give people a preview into what's upcoming for the women's group. What are you guys talking about right now for the future? Maybe something that's coming down the pipe or there's some things maybe you're excited about that maybe haven't been published in the periodic emails that everyone gets. Oh, let's see what's coming up. I think we've got an event at an art gallery in May that we're really looking forward to exhibit some local artists and again, get out and try to just do something different other than talking about the markets. We also intend to have a walk at some point this summer. We're trying to figure out exactly where our launch point is, but get together on a Saturday morning, get out, get some exercise and and interact with each other, maybe outside of a business environment. So those are the two things that are most immediate and We'll fill out the calendar for the rest of the year. We've got some other stuff coming up, but those are the two most near-term events that I'm trying to pull together. Susanna, maybe specific to your role, and we don't have to speak in specifics if we don't need to, but given you're the treasury chair, how the finances for the society looking right now? Are they under pressure from costs, like maybe the businesses that we all work for, or are they in good shape? Or what does that look like from your perspective? It's been an evolution too. So I talked a little bit about when I got started in 2020 and a lot of the expenses were different, just given the fact that we couldn't do in-person events. Now that we're back at that, where we're adapting is like the Institute as a whole is changing funding. So just making sure that we can work within those parameters and still have the outreach and the impact we want to have in Cleveland. That's been a board overall project, I think. I think you've been involved with that, Matt, and so is Kara. But from a financial perspective, I think that's the biggest challenge slash opportunity is how we can function with those like new funding parameters. Sure. Yeah. I think probably there's quite a few boards and organizations out there that are thinking about right now funding and how that's working and with an environment around increased costs. I know just in the programming seat that I'm in, just to put on an event now relative to a few years ago, it's quite a bit more. And I don't think we have a specific answer that we know exactly how to tackle it, but we're trying to to do it in some different ways, but it's good to hear that the society's on somewhat solid financial grounds. Susanna, maybe just turn to a different topic. Are there any other organizations you are involved in other than the CFA Society that you're really passionate about or really active in outside of work? Actually, I am. I'm on the board of the Literacy Cooperative. So that's a local organization. They're probably most well-known for something called the Imagination Library. So it's like sponsored by Dolly Parton. And what they do is like you can sign up when you have a newborn from like age zero to five and they'll send you a book a month. 
So really the initiative is to make sure like the more words and the more books kids hear like from a young age, like the better equipped they are for school. And obviously it helps with like literacy promotion. So I don't know if I did a great job there of explaining it, but it's a really cool local organization. They actually have like an adult spelling bee too. That's a fundraiser that me and some of my coworkers participated in last year, which is fun. We didn't place highly, but we had a good time doing it. So that's been a good organization and a great opportunity for me to like get involved in something that I'm interested in because I think I benefited from that early. So I think it's important. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, are you saying that you would be the board champion in a spelling bee? Is that what you just told us? <laughs> Out of the CFA Society board? Yes. I think I got a chance, Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you'd beat me. I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> Actually, James Bailey was on my team too. So we had a couple of PNC people help me out. Is James a good speller? Terrible. Terrible. Ah, He's great okay. at everything else, but that's his one weakness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got this stat, but it's one I hang my hat on and, and remind everyone that spelling has no relation to intelligence. I'm just saying, just because me and James are bad spellers, hopefully that doesn't carry <laughs> over to everything. But that's great. You're a strong speller. Carrie, are you a good speller? Would you rival anyone in that competition? Absolutely not. No, spell check is my very best friend. Not the <laughs> pylon, but I feel like I could take James. <laughs> That'd probably be a fun competition amongst the board. <laughs> yeah. Kara, in doing some background about this episode and whatnot, I have to bring up a story that you happen to be on TV at a young age, I believe. Can you tell us a little about that, this interesting story that I'm guessing not a lot of people have a similar story? Yeah, my 15 minutes of shame, as I like to refer to it. <laughs> I'll try to tell the story quickly because it's a quick story. When I was younger, as I mentioned, we moved to Chagrin from a more rural area. And so I needed to pick up a job so I could have those name brand clothes that all my friends were wearing. So I worked at a restaurant down in Chagrin from the time I was about 15 until well into college. And it just so happened that this man came in twice a day, every day, three-piece suit, dressed to the nines. He was a widow. And he ate all his meals at Dink's Colonial Restaurant down in Chagrin. And when he passed away, he left his entire estate to me, a 17-year-old waitress. And as you can imagine, all the legal wranglings that ensued. Eventually, we settled the case and I went to school and I was contacted by Oprah. And I just thought, when do you ever get an opportunity to go to Chicago? And Oprah, this was 30 years ago. She was not quite as big as she is now in terms of popularity and notoriety. And so the show was live in Chicago and I was trying to tell the story, which, and I tried to say elderly gentleman instead of old man, because I just thought it sounded more respectful. And I kind of garbled my words and really stopped talking and shut down on live national television. And Oprah looked at me and said, Kara, your storytelling ability is falling a little short. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. I, that's my dramatic. husband's never seen the tape, but I did share it with the Women's Advisory Committee and all my team members there were quick to assure me it wasn't nearly as bad as my makes it feel. But yeah, I still wince when I think about poor 20-year-old Kara trying to struggle through a conversation with Oprah on live television. I did see it. It wasn't as traumatizing as probably your memory made it out, but it was... Yeah, maybe that brown tweed suit was worse than the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Susanna, have you ever been on TV? Any good stories along those lines? Oh, nothing to rival that. No, I don't think I've ever... No, definitely not on Oprah either. Yeah. My TV career is pretty small as well. There was one time where our family was at... I think it was at Universal Studios in Orlando. And I happened to weasel my way onto Slime Time Live as a kid. And 
Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that show. I don't have the tape. It was a short one. And yeah, but other than that, I stay far away from as trying to be on TV as possible. Yeah. Did you get slimed? Yes, I did. I can't remember exactly why I did, whatnot, but yeah, I think I did. Maybe they didn't even air it. Who knows? This is like my only touch with fame. I think I got stopped downtown Cleveland one time to ask my opinion on like the parking meters by like a news anchor. I don't know if that ever aired. I hope you told them that they need to get rid of those stinking meters that have just coins because every time I go downtown, I hate it because I don't have coins. I don't keep coins in my car and just, ugh, ah, so. Yeah, that was actually the conversation. So good. yeah, I did. I advocated for that. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, maybe we can switch over and do, I think, everyone's favorite segment of show, the lightning round, rapid fire questions, and we can get to know you both a little bit more on a personal level. Does that sound good? Sure. Sounds great. All right. Do either of you have a nickname? That we're willing to admit? <laughs> yes. PG, but willing to admit. I mean, mine's normal. My family calls me Susie. So. Okay. I don't know if I should admit this in public. In high school, they called me Scrappy Leathers. Scrappy oh. Leathers. Yeah. And I'll explain it later, not on that. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. What's each of you guys' favorite hobbies? My favorite hobby is hanging out with my 14-year-old and my 10-year-old when I'm not at work. So soccer games, boy parties, stuff like that. That's what I do with my spare time. My favorite hobby is just anything active. Like I like being outdoors, hiking, tennis. Yeah, just anything active. Perfect segue to the next question. What's your favorite Metro Park? So I, I did a marathon. This was like 10 years ago. Akron, it was like I trained on the towpath. So mm -hmm. I have like a soft spot in my heart for the towpath because it just reminds me of like those days. Yeah. And I'm lucky. I live out here in east of Chagrin Falls. So we have a lot of just beautiful little hidden parks. And I'm not even going to say the name because I don't want anybody else to show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're part of the park system, but mostly donated land and land conservancy stuff. Great that you can go and you're the only one on the trail. And if no one else is around, you can let the dogs off leash. And it's really beautiful. I love Northeast Ohio specifically for our parks. It's one of the main reasons that we came back here. But I agree. It's like one of the best parts of Cleveland. Sure. I know moving here and for those who don't know, which most people probably wouldn't, Karen and I don't live terribly far from one another. We live in the same school district. And once you get out east past Chagrin Falls, there's some great outdoor areas, which moving here and not being from here, I was really surprised about how nice it is out here. So I agree. Okay. Next question. Best book about investing or finance? What I'm reading right now on that subject is The Algebra of Happiness, Scott Galloway. It's a really easy read. I just kind of pick it up and put it down and find different spots. Of it. But I find it really helpful as I'm trying to raise a 14-year-old as he's approaching young adulthood and try to help steer him in his choices, etc. I find that one to be pretty good. Although I think I've read a couple books along those lines that have always felt helpful. Again, just trying to find some support from the area when you feel like you're probably the only one out there dealing with this. Sure. Suzanne, how about you? What I'm reading right now is Same as Ever by Morgan Housel. It's similar in that it's not like a heavy read. I'm not all the way through it yet, but it, he's a very good storyteller if you've ever read anything by him. And he takes more of like a big overview of the financial markets and like behavioral components too. So it's really interesting. Oh, I love Morgan Housel. Psychology of Money would probably be my answer. And did you know he has a podcast now? That he I kind of goes through some that, of the topics. No. Yeah. If you want a good podcast, Morgan Housel's, he goes over kind of the same topics of the book. So it's somewhat repetitive, but I feel like those kind of topics for everyone and makes them think about your relationship with money and how you think about it and just different considerations. I totally agree. He's a really great speaker. 
And it's something you can listen to like multiple times and think about it differently every time you see it. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, agreed. What profession would each of you be in if you weren't in investing or slash finance? Great question. Be a bartender in a blues bar. That's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. That's really good. <laughs> I wasn't going to go one. in that direction, but yeah. <laughs> no, I've thought about this before and I kind of like go silent too. I can't think of anything. I guess if we're going like retirement jobs, I was like gardening and planting and stuff. So I'd work at like a plant nursery. That's not as exciting as a bartender at a blues bar, but I think <laughs> yeah. it would keep me occupied. For sure. Career 2.0. We don't retire. We just move on to the next career, right? Exactly. <laughs> not sure if both of you are big travelers, but what is at the top of the bucket list for travel destinations that you want to get to either in the near future and kind of over the long term? I love traveling. So actually just last year, I went to Paris and Barcelona for the first time. Like I was really excited now that COVID's not an issue as much and we can get back out there. And actually this summer, my parents are both from Eastern Europe and I haven't been back to see family since like 2017. So we're all planning to go to like the former Yugoslavia. So Croatia and Serbia and see where my parents were born and see family that still lives there. Sure, how about you? I had the opportunity last summer, I mentioned I was in between jobs for a little bit, to go to Portugal. Loved that. I hadn't been overseas since college when I went to Hungary and that part of the country during a global competitiveness program. But now that my kids are older and can finally start to form more permanent memories, they both have decided that Tokyo is our first overseas spot as a family. So see when we're able to pull that off. For the time being, we just kind of roam around the national parks here in the States only because the kids hate it and I love it. So, Sure. What is each of you's favorite lunch spot in or around Cleveland? Mm, mine now is Al's because it's super close to our office and their BLT is amazing. So that's my answer for the time being subject to change. That's a tough one. Yeah. I'm thinking if I'm confined to like downtown where I work, I kind of like Saigon. It's been around there forever, but they have a decent menu on East 4th. It's always reliable and consistent. Actually, Mike McEwen on the last episode, that was his spot as well. So you're in good company there. Interesting. Okay. What's your favorite hidden gem, food or otherwise, that many people might not know about in the Cleveland area? That would require me to leave the house, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, Carrie, you already answered with the parks out east of Chagrin. You reminded me. So during COVID, we all got kayaks and Ladue Reservoir is right around the corner from us. I can literally get there in five minutes. So on a Sunday morning when the water's flat and there's bald eagles flying above and you really don't hear too much traffic, highly recommend that. Oh, I'm going to check that out. That sounds amazing. I don't know if I have a good answer. I feel like all the spots that I like aren't hidden. So I like the Metro Parks. Astoria is one of my favorite restaurants. I don't feel like that's hidden. Most people know it and like it. Huntington Beach. I'm a West Sider, so I really like that area. It's close to me and it's beautiful. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great spots in Cleveland. I don't know if I have any secret ones, though. Sure. Those are good suggestions. Some people may not know about it. So thanks for those. Carrie, you, I think you just answered this question. And Suzanne, maybe this one over to you. You said you ran a marathon. What is your favorite way to be active and outdoors? Sounds like Carrie likes canoeing, kayaking. Suzanne, how about you? Well, yeah, I used to run a lot and now I'm more of a hiker. So I love national parks. I think Kara mentioned that too. But during COVID, when you were restricted traveling like domestically, I got to go to Zion and Bryce Canyon. I went to Yellowstone. Like I really, really enjoyed all those trips and being outside and outdoors and beautiful surroundings. 
since you both mentioned national parks, this wasn't on the list of questions, but what's your favorite national park to each of you? Mine so far is Arches, but I have yet to hit Yellowstone. So let's put an asterisk on that one as well. Yeah, mine's a toss up between Zion and Yellowstone. But if I had to had to pick, I think I'd lean towards Zion. I thought Zion was beautiful. Last question. What is your most memorable Cleveland sports moment? Since it sounds like you both grew up here. And if you're not a big sports fan, that's okay to pass on this one. But if you are into sports, what's the most memorable sports moment? I can jump in on that one because I remember very clearly the Cavs winning game seven. We were down in Hatteras. My entire family was there. We had all been so excited all day for the game. And it was just such a nail biter. And it was amazing. I mean, that's the easy go-to, right? Because there are so very few championships to choose from. But I'll remember that one for a very long time. That was going to be mine too. Yeah, no doubt. Exactly. I remember where I was. I remember like everyone going crazy afterwards and like, not believing that I actually swung our way, right? Because usually it's like <laughs> like a heartbreak at the end. And we're like, oh my God, did we really just see that? Did we win? No, that was a great moment. Sure. Sounds like, Garrett, you were not in Cleveland, but Susanna, it sounds like you were in Cleveland. What did you do that night afterwards? Where'd you go out? So yeah, I watched it with friends, but then I remember for some reason someone wanted to go get like, Dick's had some kind of promotion. Do you guys remember this? I think like you went and you could get like either like a championship shirt or something that night. And we went out to get it. And I remember it being like some crazy line, like out the door, like at Crocker, like all the way around. And then we gave up on that idea and just went back and celebrated. Gary, did you make it back for the parade or were you guys still in Hatteras? We were still in Hatteras, but we all watched it. And I was very proud of our little big city showing up so well on national television. It was spectacular all the way around. Probably made for a great vacation to celebrate that. Absolutely. Well, Kara, Susanna, thanks for coming on the podcast. We will see you at the next CFA event. And thank you, as always, for serving on the board and doing your volunteer work. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to Guardians of Finance, brought to you by the CFA Society of Cleveland. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and head on over to guardiansoffinance.com, where you can connect or reconnect with the CFA Society of Cleveland attend an educational or social event, and find volunteer opportunities. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Guardians of Finance.